this morning we are continuing our series called When is When? When is When? Uh, it's a phrase that sometimes we use when we talk to our kids or when we talk to our spouse. You know, when is when? You know, when are we going to get our act together? When are we going to get our schedules together? When are we going to get our finances together? So we've begun this series on stewardship, talking about uh, examining the foundation of our hearts, examining the foundation of our lives, and looking if there's any areas that need to be addressed, any cracks in, those found, in our foundation. And so last week we talked about uh, the resource of time, that God has given us time, and how are we managing that resource. And this morning, I am uh, I'm pleased to have uh, Reverend Dave McNaughton join us here as he begins to talk to us about our finances and how to be good stewards of our finances. So would you give a warm glad tidings welcome to Reverend Dave McNaughton. How's everybody doing today? Now, I know that you guys uh, probably just need to uh, say, why in the world has this guy been invited to talk to us about finances? Because I'm old. I've lived a few uh, years, and, and I've seen God's blessing over and over. When we align ourselves with his mission and his, his, his resources, God has done some amazing things. And there's a, there, but I, before I kind of jump into the message, I want to introduce uh, my family to you. I'm my, uh, you see them up there on the screen? There they are. So right there in the middle is our, our son and uh, daughter-in-law, and they're holding twin grandsons. They're, those guys' names are Levi and Judah McNaughton. Uh, they are now 22 months old, and uh, I also call them the wrecking crew. <laughs> they live in Aurora, Colorado with their dad and mom serve on staff at a church there, and and they have an older brother who is three, so do the math, 18 months apart. The, the, so they have three little boys, three years and younger. His name is Micah. Out, over on the out, outside, uh, on the right, is, is my son-in-law. And his son is right there in the front. And that little redhead that my, that I, that my wife is holding, uh, her name is Hattie. So they live right in, the, in Norwood. And... Uh, so we have five grandchildren, three kids. Our, our, our youngest daughter is over on the far right. She's a student at Arizona State, and, but she's also a barista. And so Starbucks pays for her college. Praise the Lord for that. I'm, we're, we're talking about finances here today and just some practical stuff. There are ways of not going into debt for things that we really are going for, Right? And we've learned, we've learned over the years that God opens up the doors for resources in, in many different ways. God, there's a, my wife and I started out as, uh, we got married when we were teenagers. Uh, we've been married 38 years. And we've been serving, uh, serving together in churches for the, uh, since 1980. And we've, we, have, we have seen God do some amazing things. There, there, are, there are so, I, I don't want to just look at the past because I believe that God has given me something to share with you. It's from Isaiah chapter 43. The passage that I want, I want to talk to you about today is not just looking back 
on our family and our things that God has done in the past because I believe God wants, God is a creative God. And he wants to do a new thing. Isaiah 43, verse 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. A quick story from a couple of nights ago. My granddaughter was sitting at the table. She's three years old. She said, uh, so, very ver- she's very verbal, right? Not like the, uh, like the little boys. They're like, ugh. You know, she's got words. She said, so, do you want to talk about it? Three years old. Uh, uh, do you want to talk about it? Talk about what? She said, you know, the elephant in the room. True. Well, what is the elephant in the room? She's three. I was like, what are you talking about, the elephant in the room? She says, you know, mom's new job. And I said, your mama doesn't have a new job. She was rehearsing the line from some TV show that she had seen. And she was willing to talk about the elephant in the room. But I have a question for you. Even though that didn't exist, are we willing to talk about the elephant in the room? And I, I want to suggest today, I want to submit to you today, that if we not only talk about it, but we take action, our, 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 area, our life, our relationship with finances will change. But it doesn't happen by hope, and it doesn't happen just by, by, by thinking about it. It talks, it, it's really about talking about it. The, the, God, has, God has so much more for us than we could ever imagine. We need, but we need to make this shift from going from just surviving. Can you just relate to that just for a second? Hey, why we, we're in the grind here in the Boston area. You know, we get up early. We, go, we have to get on that Southeast Expressway, brother. We've got to fight our way through, through, the, through the traffic. We, we grind our way through the day, and we fight our way back home. Can anybody relate to me? Come on. Is this thing on? Come on. You're going to have to help me here in a little bit to the other today. We, we strive, we have, we're in, the, sometimes it is survival, right? We, we're, been, and we're tough people. Just ask the Los Angeles Rams how tough the Bostonians are. Come on, somebody. that I just crossed over into some athletics, so help me, help me Jesus up for, I'm sorry, Lord. The, there's a, there, but there, we want to go from just surviving to thriving. Now, on, on Wednesday night, we're going to be, I'm going to be doing some training here on, 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 on uh, helping people with some real practical ways of talking through our finances. We're going to talk about a little bit about our budget and making, making sure that those are all in alignment, help you talk through those things that are really crucial. I believe that uh, I've, I've discovered that there is a, there's an amazing thing that happens when we say, let's put our, our, our cross and our heart and our and, and our dollar sign together, our mission is to help Christians be wise with money so that they can live generously. And here's the reality. I believe every Christian 
has down deep inside, has the desire to be incredibly generous. But we are, we are, we are in the battle. We're struggling. We, when, and so we're going to talk about, I'd really encourage you, if you can carve out the time with 7 o'clock on Wednesday to join us, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of unpack some of these areas of our, uh, that will just re- be very practical on, on, our, on budgeting and the things that, not only budgeting, but kind of our, our, our plan. They're, we're talking about a new thing, though. And for us to have new, new things, new, a new thing, for God to do a new thing in our life, we have to, uh, we have to look, look at what he's doing, what he has done. I, one, of the, one of the interesting things, uh, the, the girl that, goes to, uh, that attends Arizona State, she, uh, she said, hey, Dad, I have something I need to ask you. Immediately, I was thinking, because the way she said it, I, I don't know if she ever says daddy unless she asks for money. Daddy, I have something I need to ask you. I'm thinking, how much is that going to cost me? Anybody relate to that? I really need these new shoes. And I said, define need. Because <laughs> I look inside in your closet and I see plenty of shoes. Define need. She's saying, I need them. <laughs> They're ha- and plus, the store's having an amazing... Have you ever noticed millennials have a great word, a great way to say amazing, right? An amazing sale. <laughs> I love my little millennial daughter. She's awesome. But she uses, oh, way overuses amazing. I'm just telling you. Because it wasn't amazing for me. <laughs> it, was, it was like, so how much is it going to cost? Well, only $45. <laughs> It was a good deal. It's a great picture of, of how many of us feel uh, spiritually. So we're often like, oh, God, kid, I'm really needing some new stuff. So often we, but God is wanting to do a new thing in how we relate to our, relate our resources. The reality is we all get in, encouraged when we come to church, don't we? Like, hey. I got my shout on. That, that dude on the keyboard, he's very cool. He's just jamming up here, like crushing it. Didn't Pastor Rennie also like keyboard? Those guys that preach and play the keyboard, I'm stinking jealous of. Right? I'm a bass player, though. The coolest guy. On, okay. So, we, so here's the deal. So there's a, the, the reality is that uh, we, we, I'm reminded of how we sometimes when we're thinking about our personal finances, it's not, we don't often relate it to a, a, a roadway in the wilderness. We don't often think about it as a river in the desert. We just think it's a stinking dry wasteland. Where's the money going to come from? Today, I want us to, I want to talk to you a little bit about our relationship with money. Our relationship with the resources of our finances. Because I, I believe God wants to do a new thing with our finances. I think we can find refreshing and provision through if we can flip this switch and how we view the view money. Hear, hear me. I understand. I've been doing this a long time. When preachers start talking about money, 
people tend to shut down. So I'm going to give you a, just a real, just kind of give you kind of a game changer. So I'm going to put you to rest. There's no offering at the end. I'm not aware of any capital campaign. There's not even, we're not even focusing this message on tithing. So everybody go, Today's message is not about some magic potion that you pour on your paycheck. It's not, this message is about not getting something from you, but it's something for you. It's called freedom. Anybody interested in freedom? Anybody interested? I I am. You know that, that finances are a big deal for all of us. In 2017, Career Builder did some research and found that 78%, 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, which means if you need to buy new tires, you don't have enough money to put them on paying cash. You, you, you use the card. 600 bucks to go put new tires on the car. Paycheck to paycheck. According to a new survey by Ramsey Solutions, the number one issue that couples fight about, anybody want to guess? Money. Money and honey go together. Money finds her the second leading cause of divorce behind, very closely, but just behind infidelity. Both of these surveys indicated a high level of debt and a lack of communication were major issues, major stressors that brought anxiety around household finance. Nearly two-thirds of all marriages start off in debt. One-third of the people who say they have argued with their spouse about money have also going to like this one, have also hid a purchase from their spouse because they didn't want their partner to get, that, that, to get mad at them and have another fight. Anybody agree or relate to, don't raise your hand, just, just inside right now. Hey, I might have hid a, a purchase from my wife one time. <laughs> okay, I'm at the altar. <laughs> that, that was a joke, by the way. What does this all tell us? It tells us that we have to talk about this. We need to talk about our money. We have to talk about it. It's the elephant in the room. And if we talk about it and we put it through the grid of the gospel, guess what? Jesus, who is able to save our souls and give us eternal life, can also save our money and again help our and help our finances to come into alignment with his plan for it. We need a new relationship with money. Because the world has a whole whole different agenda for it. You might we have to talk, we need to talk about it. It's not just talk about it. We need to attack it. 
And not just talk about attack it with, with words, but with a plan. I, you know, some of you are saying, hey, Dave, you know, I don't know what, why Pastor Rennie would invite somebody here to talk about money because I just came here for something spiritual. I, you know, I need to live from Jesus today. This is very spiritual. This is at the very core of our, of our faith. Did you know that, that there could, I don't think that there could even, I don't think that it could be more spiritual, in fact. It couldn't be more spiritual than to address that the very thing that causes the largest amount of anxiety and divorce and fear is our, is our resources. I don't know what could be more spiritual than to address the very foundational item that the majority of people either serve or are enslaved to. You ever feel like you're enslaved to that job? Enslaved to the resources? Just a question. I don't know what could be more relevant in, in the faith community than to tackle this major item that could hinder the acceleration of the calling that God has for each of us. Finances are just a huge deal. The fact uh, of our finances is not only a big deal to us, but they're a big deal to God. 38 parables, Jesus told. 38 parables, but 16 of them involve money and possessions. You writing that note down like, oh man, almost half. We're illustrating finances. Five times more is said about money in the New Testament than prayer. There are 500 plus verses about, about, faith, about prayer and faith, but only, but let's check this out, 2,000 verses about money and possession. 500 about prayer and faith, 2,000, four times. You think that's a big deal for God? Because he knows exactly how we were made, how we were wired. He knows from the very foundation how we are. I have a theory that most followers of Jesus are really generous. They're not stingy. They're just stretched. And stretched thin. And after you've been, after you stretch something for a long, long time, something has to give, doesn't it? And I think, I think that it, one of the things, I, we, in this last snowstorm that we had, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, snowstorm that turned into the skating rink, um, we, we, we had this snow that hits and then rain falls on top of it and then, then we had the flash freeze and it felt like for two days that there was nothing but, but, but skating rink out in front of my house. And I knew that there was, was going to be a, a need to get out there because where I live is on a main street, and man, those plows go by all the time. And I'm out there thinking, man, that berm is going to be hard. If that thing freezes before I get out there, I'm going to be, it's going to be tough. So I'm, I'm out there in, while it's raining, and I'm shoveling, and I'm trying to get, get to the berm. Anybody relate to me there? I'm trying to get out to the berm because I know that if it freezes before I get there, it's going to be problems. I, I don't want to have to chip through ice for days to try to get my car out of there. I have to get after the program. I have to attack that problem. So I'm out there and I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm saying, God, send us somebody with a plow. 
Come on, Jesus, you know you got that, that plow person, right? And so I'm, you know, in, in, in Bostonian life, living in this greater Boston area, you know, people are busy, they're going hard, but when you're in the middle of the storm, something interesting happens, that people kind of get together, they help each other a little bit, they, they're, 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 they're a little more generous, and then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm telling my neighbor, his, Abner Logan, he's, he's like, man, I've got my money in my pocket. If I see somebody driving down the street that has a plow on, he said, you got your money, bro? I said, I got my money. I've got my money. We're going to wave them down. So I see this little Jeep, this little Jeep uh, uh, Cherokee that has a, a plow that's bigger than the Jeep on the front. And I'm thinking, that's our person. They're just a neighbor. So I wave, I wave at this person. It's a lady. She rolls down her window. She sounds Russian. I was saying, hey, can you plow this drive for me? She says, no problem. <laughs> she backs up, boom, back and forth three times, clears the berm. I'm going, yes, hallelujah. No more. I don't, that was happy, right? I'm like, I'm not shoveling for days to get that thing because she was generous. It's in her heart. I said, uh, Miss Olga, I don't know what her name was. Olga, <laughs> yes. Can I give you some? How about some? How much? She said, oh, nothing. It's just being a neighbor. I believe that it's at the very heart. We want to be generous. But when we're stretched thin, it's hard to be generous. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says it like this. The world of the generous, why do we want to be generous? Well, here's, what, here's what, what wisdom says. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped as we are generous, our world expands. The world isn't about just getting, but it's also about being a conduit, being open to help others. And those who are stingy, their world is focused on themselves, and their entire world revolves around themselves. That's what Solomon was saying to us. Today, I want to help us begin, you begin that journey to find freedom that pathway to generosity, that pathway to freedom and finance. Anybody interested in that? Yes, I see that hand. We're going to have an altar call here in a second. Find freedom and fulfill what God wants to do in and through your life. I believe that we have an amazing destiny to fulfill. He wants to, he's doing a new thing in our lives. I want to help create these calm conversations. Our, we've said okay, what we do with our workshops is we cre- help create a, 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 an opportunity for conversation, not just there, but as you go home from that, to help, to help find, and those things, find, I think that when conversation begins to happen, when the elephant in the room is talked about, Something refreshing takes place. I'm hoping that today we'll open up the opportunity to help you find a new thing in your finances. Like I said a few minutes ago, 
It's not about a magic potion that you pour on your paycheck. But I want to help you think differently about money. I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says, you know what, today I'm going to get into more debt. Yep, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go put, uh, I'm just going to sign up to be more miserable and work for the man for for additional interest to, to be tacked on to my life. It's not how you pursue being a happier person. Being debt free is how people become free, how people enjoy life from a financial standpoint. We find ourselves stretched many times because of our thoughts, how these micro thoughts, how we allow what happens in our minds, because out of the abundance of what happens in our minds, we begin to speak, and our words are connected to these micro thoughts about money. And let let me just ask, I'm going to make a couple of these statements, and let me just ask you if you can relate to, because my daughter first was the first one, she says, I need it. I need this. We often say that when we are talking about, I need this. It's a micro thought. We've all been there. It skips from I want it to we make it a need. Like I went to a trade show not too long ago. This guy was trying to sell me an RV. He said, well, look, look, there's an old guy. He's going to be retiring soon. He needs an RV. You know, like the old people, they travel all. I'm all, you know, I'm just being honest. He says for for, uh, I, I can finance it for 304 months. 304 months, he's saying, I, I, 10% down, 250 a month for 304 months. And I'm thinking, he's trying to sell me a $38,000, and I'm just kind of talking to the guy. I wasn't trying to buy it. He was just like, he's, this was his pitch, though. You can buy it. You can have it now. You need this. Think about an RV. This isn't one with an engine in it. This is one you hook on behind your truck. You haul it down the road. It's going to be a rust bucket in 304 months, 25 years from now. There's not even going to be an axle under that thing. I need it. I did the calculation. If you added up all the interest and what it, what it would actually cost to buy that thirty eight thousand, it was seven. It ended up being seventy six thousand dollars. I don't need that. I don't need that. But we often tell ourselves, "I need it," and we end up paying for the rust bucket for a long time. Another micro thought is, "I deserve this." Oh, I deserve it. Man, my, I, we're living in instant gratification time. I deserve this because I, you know I work hard. You know that. You understand what I'm saying. Honey, if you knew how hard I worked, man, I, you would say I deserve it. The third micro thought is this. They have it. They have it. I saw Becky with that new iPhone, you know. And the Apple Watch, they have it. You know, I think I should get one of those too because, say it with me, they have it. 
Now, this is a group participation thing. I, when I point at you, you say that, right? They, they have it. It's a micro-thought. And I like this, this, uh, this next one. This will be fun. Or this will make my life more convenient. You know, that 75-inch 4K TV, that's going to be fun in my living room. And if you throw in the sound system for an extra 300, that's even more fun. And guess what? There, we're going to, we're not, that's how we get ourselves into trouble. Because it's 90 days. Same as cash. We're like, oh yeah, if I work a little extra overtime, I'll be able to pay that off and I won't be paying any interest because I'm going to pay that, that, all that off. Guess what happens? You need tires for your car and you never pay that thing off and you're paying for the tires for the car and for the 75-inch 4K TV and you're like, this isn't that much fun. Because that's, I tried to get something before I could really before, or, or like, you know what, we don't, we don't do the 90 days thing. We take our tax refund. Let me ask you a question. When you start to prioritize the resources that God has given you, what's the most important Is it just for us, or is it to be a conduit for others? I believe that we could buy into the world system and live the way we live, or we can make it, or we can change those micro moments, those little tiny thoughts. You make a huge difference. Here's what you need to know. Please hear me. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. And your God is too good to constrain you in this life with meaningless things. That was good. You're going to want to write that down. Your, your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. And your God is too good to constrain your life with meaningless things. We must shift our perspective to start making better decisions. So that we can find freedom. And is this helping anybody so far? I'm, I'm, I'm getting saved all over again. We have to own our mistakes, though. You know what? It's not a bad thing to say, you know what? I, I'm, I need to make a change. I, I meet with, uh, I meet with uh, I'm a pastor, but I'm also uh, a, an advisor. And people get, they get really... Uh, I think they tend to get like apologetic and they, 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 because they made mistakes. And I, I believe that God wants us to help people live free and not live under that condemnation. And having, you can say, here's what we have in our portfolio. Here's what we're doing. We're trying what we're trying to do. But the, but the biggest, the most important thing is not just hoping, but having a plan. God has a plan. His, it's to create a new thing for our lives. If we're going to see God do a new thing in our finances, it, it's all he's going to bring financial freedom. We have to own our mistakes and start to shift those micro thoughts about how we think about money 
that money is, the reality is money is, is a great tool. We have to start thinking about it as a tool rather than as a goal. Money is a, is, is a great tool, but it's a terrible master. Matthew 6, verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to what? Come on, let's get free. Come on, let's get free. Let's, let's, not, be, not, let's not be controlled by money, but let's serve God with the resources that he's... The question to ask yourself is, do I own the stuff or does the stuff own me? If you think, here's a, here's a little litmus test. If you think more about money than you think about your God, your stuff may own you. You, made money, you may have made money your God if you think more about money than you think about God. So money's not the problem. Your problem is your perspective, your relationship with money. You have to change how you think about it. See, I believe everything that we have is a resource. It's a tool that God has given to us. It's not bad to have nice stuff. I, 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 I'm not here saying go sell everything, go, you know, check yourself into the, to the convent or go, you know, go take a vow of poverty. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, that it's not, bad, it's not bad to have nice stuff, but if your whole life surrounds your stuff, then, then you've become enslaved. Here's the question. Do the resources help me fulfill my calling, or do they hinder it? Maybe that's the question. This is just a challenge. Do the resources that, I'm, that, I'm, that I have, are they, are they, do they help me fulfill my calling, or do they hinder it? I believe that and many times we feel God speaking to us. That little nudge, man, I'd really like that to help that missionary, that guy going to Peru. That little nudge. That guy going to Haiti, that family going to Haiti, that little nudge. I, oh, I want to help. I want to be more generous. I want to be on mission. I want my resources to be able to count for something more than just, to, just what I have, but here, we're, but the reality is, most of the time, I hear this a lot, but I'd love to make a difference, but I just don't have the money. I'm stretched thin. Like Isaiah prophesied, many, many of us feel like we're in this desert wasteland. But God has promised to give us a roadway in the wilderness. Come on. A roadway in the wilderness. A river in the desert. There's an amazing thing that begins to happen when we align ourselves with the priority of God in our lives. God can make a way when we recognize who and what we serve is more important than what we have. The second, the second shift that we need to make in thinking about our relationship with money is God is the owner. I'm the manager. 
a couple of months ago, my wife and I were on a, on a trip together to St. Louis for a conference. She's super, uh, has issues with allergies, so we're really careful of like where we stay in hotels, and we had this place all, all lined up. It was a place that we, we have stayed at before. It was, it was good, but when we got there, the, the, the whole hotel was under renovation. They were, they were the dust and sawdust and all kinds of crazy stuff was, had, was happening in the air. She, she, we walked in the hotel lobby. We, we checked in. We got our room. We walked up to the room. Her eyes started swelling up. Her, she, her eyes are watering. Her, she can't hardly breathe. And I'm like, this isn't going to do. I'm not, we're, we're getting a different, we're going to a different place. So I go to the, I go down to the, I go down to the front desk and I said, listen, we like, we've, we've stayed here before. We like this place, but we can't stay. And you have to help us figure out what we're going to do. Because we're, we're not going to be able to, we're, we're here for a week. She's not going to be able to, I sent her out to the car. Manager comes up and, and he said, how can I help? And I, I give him the story and he says, I'll take care of this. Why? Because he's a representative of the owner. The manager steps up because he, he knows that his assignment is to take care of the owner's stuff. He said, you know, we, this isn't our only property. I just managed this one, but our owner has, has six other hotels within driving distance. I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to get you guys a room where you guys will be comfortable, and she's, she won't have to go to the hospital. The manager takes control because he knows that he represents the owner. So who owns your stuff? We have to make that shift that God is the manager. Here, I have made myself for Israel, verse 21. I have made Israel for myself. The Israelites were God's chosen people, but God chose all of us to when he sent Jesus for you and I. Listen, friends, that manager hooked us up. It wasn't just a, it was, well, he didn't send us to the day's end. Because he wanted, he wanted the experience. The managers have a plan. And that's what I'm challenging us for today is, listen, if we're going to make a difference, it's not just to say, Here, here's the stuff that God has for us, but no, it's how we're going to move that forward. Think about all of the resources that God has in his hand and what he's tr- entrusted you with. I want to be with that one who stands before God and says, hey, Lord, I've done as much as I possibly could with the resources that you gave me. And I want to hear these words that he would say, just like he said about the parable of the talent. Hey, good job with what you gave. I'm going to give you more so that I, I can, because I can trust you with the things that I've entrusted you with. Managers accept responsibility for, to, to, for the mistakes of the organization. Hey, the manager says, hey, I'm so sorry, we didn't communicate well, but we, we, we're going to fix this problem. Managers take, take action. They to put a plan in place to fulfill the vision of the owner. There's the good news is that my iPad is almost dead, so I'm almost done preaching. God's the owner. As managers, we have to remember that God can't bless what I ignore. If I ignore my, what, what I'm supposed to be managing, God can't bless that anymore. But he will bless people who will proactively take steps. 
I challenge you. I want to challenge you to, to see yourself as a manager. And managers have a great plan. Maybe it's to attend the workshop. It, it, but the first step is to say, I want to do it God's way. Might start with just returning whatever God asks for. Second step is saying, hey, no new debt. Say this with me. No, no new debt. Third is create margin in our lives. In other words, don't keep taking on more stuff, but find ways to have breathing room. Everybody take a deep breath. It's nice. Number four, stick with the plan. We can't expect God to fix the problem that we're not willing to work on, though. The third area, this shift as we our relationship with money changes, we are thinking about it says, I, this is a key part of this, is I'm not defined by what I manage. God is saying, hey, I'm doing a new thing. Since all that we have is God's, and it is his, I'm not defined by what he's given me to manage. I'm not defined by, we're, we are responsible on how we manage, though. Our society uh, has given us and clouded us with all kinds of noise. We're concerned about what other people think and about the Joneses or whatever, whatever family lives down the street. We're, but here's the, the reality. We're not defined by what we have or what we don't have. Maybe the thought that God is the owner and I'm the manager will release you from this jealousy of what's happening down the street. That angst, that fear that, that, that we're behind in life. Anybody ever felt that? Like, hey, man, we just feel, I feel like we're just always playing catch up. To who? With what? We don't have to have what everybody else has. Your satisfaction and success are not defined by acquiring more things. In fact, here's what, the, what Ecclesiastes 5.10 says. Those who love money will never have enough. The meaningless to, uh, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. You can't be fulfilled by stuff, but, they, but we have a Savior that can fulfill. If you really stop and think about it, our world's pretty shallow when it comes to stuff, isn't it? Being defined by what we wear, what we drive, where we live. But a Savior has, given, has bought us everything. He's ultimately given us everything that we need. How crazy would it be if we spend our entire lives trying to be successful, trying to attain so other people would say, hey, that person's been extremely successful. But at the end of the day, the wealthiest man in the world, when he lost his kids and his, and his, and his fortune, said this, I came naked into the world out of my mother, uh, from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. 
the Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken away. Praise be, blessed be the name of the Lord. My fulfillment comes from God. And I pray that he will set you free. I pray that, that this very idea that, that your life comes from the things that, 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 obtain, that you obtain is completely anti-God. Our, 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 def, our definition for success has to change because your calling is too great and your God is too good and your life is too valuable to be defined by the things that you can buy. My fulfillment comes from God, not my goods. Number four, this I'm blessed beyond what I deserve. This is a new relationship with money. God has blessed me beyond what I deserve. The children of Israel were going into bondage again. And God said that you are my, you've been always been mine. I want to bring fresh life to you in, anyway. You, we all have made mistakes and we, at, so, at some point in time. But the reality is your calling is too big and your God is too great. And your life is too valuable to be strapped down and stretched thin with things that don't define you at all. We can tell ourselves that we deserve it. We can tell ourselves that we, that we need it. But in all honesty, do you know what we really deserve? I'm glad that Jesus paid for that. Because we all deserve to die because we are sinners. And we need the grace of God to cover that sin. We can't allow ourselves to be fixated on the things that don't matter. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33. And all these other things will be added to you. This is, this, what, are, what are the other things? What, what, is, what is Jesus teaching here? He's saying, consider the lilies of the field, how they neither labor nor spin, but they are clothed beautifully because, I, because they're mine. And he's saying it to us, but if we'll seek him, he'll do the same thing for us. Instead of having an attitude of entitlement, we have to have an attitude of gratitude. Here's, the, here's, the, here's this desire. This, I believe that there is a, this desire to be generous is something um, that comes from our Father in heaven. Check it out. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That he gave his only son. His most precious son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We must shift our perspective to start making better decisions so that we can live a generous life that we all desire to live. Hey, Tim, would you join me here? I, want to came, I opened up today talking about we need to address the elephant in the room. Just a couple of questions. Do your finances align with your passion?
If not, let's get a plan. I want to walk with you. Not, it's not we're talking about, about product, but we're talking about a plan, practical help with your budget. How can we better talk about finances without fighting? We're talking about here's maybe a challenge to you today. Maybe even just start the conversation with your spouse or the one that's here with you. It might be scary. Who knows? But who knows that there's with conversation comes clarity. Your life is too valuable. Your calling is too great. Your God is too good. For you to constrain your life with meaningless things. Would you bow with me? Dear God, thank you for giving us the resource of eternal life. The blessing of salvation. And an assignment of the great commission. Connected to the great commandment. To love you with all of our heart and soul and our neighbors, ourselves, as we're going to go and help other people connect with you. But, Lord, we're stretched thin. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to break through into freedom in our finances that connects to our faith, which connects to our destiny. Just across the room... No one looking around, just just a time of reflection and prayer. Maybe the Lord's tapped on your shoulder today and you know that there's a next step that you need to take. I'm not defining it right now. But you, you're saying, just with a quick lift of the hand, say, yep, I'm going to take that step. I'm making the commitment to take that step. Yes, yes. Like all over the place. Yep, there are hands all over. Let me, now, Father, I just pray for each one that has made the commitment to take the next step to, to move forward on this incredible journey we call the, the faith journey. So, Lord, today, I pray that you would bless your people as we take those steps of obedience. Lord, I thank you that you said that you would pour out blessing upon us, so much so that we could not contain it. So, Lord, I pray blessing upon your people as we take these steps of obedience here in this place today. We give our lives to you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.